End of Year Awards Part 1. Hello, my name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and this is LAP Radio on YouTube, or Imp's LAP Radio Adventure, if you are listening in podcast form. This week is all about the memories, looking back over 2019 with fondness and WTF. <laughs> all WWE-centric awards this week. AEW's still a baby, not really enough to work with. I'll wait till there's a full calendar year to rip them apart. Their time will come next year. But for now, it's once again time to look back over the Man Empire's year that was. I said that well. I'll go through... So I've, tonight I have got six awards for you. So uh, it, does, it may not always... I don't know. When, I, when I've introduced that in years past, I've like, oh, that doesn't sound a lot. But trust me... Me splitting this into two shows where there's like six awards on each, it's necessary. Otherwise, this thing's like a three hours Lord of the Rings epic, and that's coming your way because I've obviously I've got the Keeping It Strong Star Boys booked for later this month. Don't worry, you'll be getting your Lord of the Rings epic. Just no, not tonight. Let's try and keep this 45 minutes again. But yes, I'll go through each of the six awards, explain exactly what they're for, go through the nominees and pick my personal favourites. Uh, you can all do the same in the comments below, or you can hit me up on Twitter, at the TheDamnImplicat, or on LawsOfPain.net site itself. Uh, as I said, tonight there's six awards for you, and boy will this be a trip. <laughs> so, especially for those of you who don't have a great memory. Oh, this is the award of, oh, that was this year... Yep, get ready for that reaction. <laughs> a lot of it you might have forgotten. That's what all this is for. It's reminiscing more than anything. Uh, yeah, there will be some, I guess, negatively sounding awards, but the gist of it is that these are more fun, more jokey. Uh, some of them are more lighthearted or happy. Uh, they're not all downer awards. My awards to end the show, there's going to be nice on a nice happy note as well. But of course, I'm going to start with the one that sounds negative, but when I read through the nominees, I'm likely to giggle and laugh. It's because of the emotion they bring out and just like, oh yeah, I remember that. Like, if you do remember all of these things, like, congratulations to you. Like, I, without reminding myself, there would have been some where it's just like, oh. But there were others where I remembered it and I'm like, I swear nobody else remembers this. <laughs> I'm putting it in the list. So, six awards for you tonight. So, I am going to give my, like, personal preference for each one. That does not necessarily mean that is the one that's winning. I might do a tally of, like, everybody who gets in touch with me on, like, Twitter or DM or Laws of Pain on my email and stuff. Like, here on Laws of Pain YouTube itself, on the podcast thing itself. I've not really set anything up or put any tweets out or polls or anything. <laughs> it's just, uh... Don't, don't really treat this as this is the final winner. Uh, so if I don't pick your winner, it's just my personal favourite on a list where some of those lists were so damn difficult to whittle down. <laughs> it's not really my fault I couldn't get them. Like, that you, tonight, they're all winners. Which for some awards is funnier than others. Anyway, so, as I said, I don't want to bang on too much doing a massive introduction that normally do. So, let's jump right into it with the worst promo segment of the year. Just keep in mind, this is just WWE. So no Impact, no AEW, no MLW, no NWA Power, no uh, New Japan, no, just WWE. So, let's go all the way back to the very first week of the year. It took them that long. <laughs> Immediately out the gates. Uh, Brock Lesnar, Braun Strowman, 
the face-to-face -face generic lines, the movie, as I called it. The very first week of the year, and this promo was awful. Seriously, Braun Strowman, it, it did that split-screen thing where it had Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman backstage, and then Braun Strowman was in the ring, and uh, Paul Heyman was obviously speaking for Lesnar, then Strowman cut a promo, and Strowman was pausing between each line like a WWE 2K Games character, uh, like, like he was waiting for you, well, for the player to choose which random voice line you were going to pick before he then would go, After I'm done with you, you're not going to make it to the Royal Rumble. Cool. <laughs> it was, seriously, search this promo out, and, uh, like, Heyman is a Heyman promo. Like, it's not bad, it's, it's not great, it's just a Heyman promo in the middle of the run. But Braun Strowman's lines, as soon as he kicks in, this jumps up to worst promo segment of the year. Because it is an amazing example of the generic lines writing, where what he says doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't really add any character that isn't already there. It doesn't progress anything that hasn't already happened. And you can cut out most of it. <laughs> so it's a, For me, this is the very first week of the year, and it's a prime example of something that is still a massive issue with WWE. Nothing has changed in that... With a lot of their characters, with a lot of their promos, the lines are so generic, you could predict the whole thing, and you wouldn't miss anything. So, <sighs> it's just, it's, for me, it, the promo encapsulated everything. <laughs> it really wasn't very good, and the jarring like face-to-face split-screen cam, yeah, that's nice and odd. Yeah. Anyway, next up, one you will all remember, I'm 100% sure on this one, Ronda Rousey, the Millennial Man promo. Despite Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey pretty much being the same age. <laughs> Which also brought lines before she made that ultimate banger in, into question. This brings those lines up. She starts the promo by saying, uh, when Becky Lynch was learning the alphabet, I was learning arm bars. It's like, but you're the same age, duck. <laughs> and this wasn't some sort of thing of, oh, I'm a woman and she's younger than, she's much younger than me. I don't like this generation before me. You're the same. Ah. <laughs> fantastic but yes the whole avocado eating millennial man promo oh my word it's a oh it's a belter <laughs> it's a belter of a, what are you talking about <laughs> uh, especially for my I am a millennial so just hearing this it's like oh these are like all the terms I've heard from uh, I guess I don't know what generation's really saying it the most Twitter's decided it's the boomers saying it the most but it might even be the generation before before them that's really using these uh, but yeah Yes, hilarious. <laughs> uh, I might have also proved I don't know my generations, but... Oh, well, it's bigger in America than it is over here. Anyway, next up on the worst... I'm going to have to bang through these. There's six nominees for worst promo. This is the one that took me ages. Like, if this show goes up late, this is why. <laughs> because it took me so long to whittle this list down, and I've still got six. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Dean Ambrose gets injections. Because this town is... In infected and they stink and I need to get my injections uh, remember he's feuding with Seth Rollins uh, what I don't quite know what this was meant to be uh, again highly recommend you listen to the Dean Ambrose podcast with uh, Chris Jericho which might be coming up later in a separate award but my god what was this <laughs> I remember at the time that Twitter wasn't it was weird normally for something like this you expect Twitter to be like just blasting it and going crazy on it, talk, saying it was absolutely awful, like outcome the curse words or whatever, because it's Twitter. 
But as mo the reaction I remember the most was just, what was this? <laughs> just like the, the kind of disappointment that it's going into generic WWE tropes, and then he's got the gas mask later, as Dean Ambrose would talk about later. Uh, Moxley, he would at that point we're talking about later on the Jericho podcast. Ah, uh, surely because Dean Ambrose didn't deliver it badly. It was just bad. It was unsavable. <laughs> when you hear the amount of effort he put in to try and stop something like this occurring, and this is the best that it was what they could get. Ah, oh, that's sad. Fast forward to nominee number. So yeah, nominee was Dean Ambrose gets injections. Uh, nominee number four, Kayla interviews Lars Sullivan. A segment that was so bad and so boring. I bet none of you remember this, <laughs> but Imp remembers. Imp doesn't forget. I have to carry on remembering this shit. <laughs> this is what my brain is. Uh, so, Braun Strowman had a squash match on SmackDown. Uh, it was SmackDown Live still at this point. Uh, after the match, he had a, a Kayla came into the ring and he I was asking him about, uh, I guess, just him as a person because we hadn't really got much character from Lars Sullivan, and this was the way that they decided to let him explain his character. Uh, I think they were going for monster but he's more than that he's got some intelligence behind him a character they did a lot better without Rowan <laughs> there's no question but the best thing about this promo was it was after a squash match and it's kind of like and Kayla comes into the ring if she asks him a question and this promo lasts four whole minutes what the hell <laughs> why is this four minutes long <laughs> what can he possibly say I hear you ask uh, it's, it's the promo the thing you might remember about this promo it's the one where Lars Sullivan compared himself to, like, I guess, the mentality of a lion who's eating its prey or going after its prey. And he was saying, why would you ask that about a lion who's after his prey? And comparing it to, well, why are you asking me such a question like that? That's, that is me. And that point was elaborated for four minutes. No joke. <laughs> uh, find this on YouTube. <laughs> if you don't remember it, oh, it was, um, like... Peak, what is this? <laughs> I highly recommend you search for it. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, for me, that's a prime candidate because no one remembers it and it's just stuck in my brain. <laughs> uh, next up, nominee number five. We're getting to recent times now. There's a big time jump where I actually generally enjoyed the SummerSlam build. So, and the build to Hell in a Cell was good. It was The, the build was good. So, you know, I apologise. There's like a two, three month gap where everything was fine and dandy. Uh, Next up, Lana in the UK, the segment where British fans had absolutely none of it and booed the entire segment out of the arena. As in, Lana was was in the ring, cutting the promo, talking about Bobby Lashley, talking about Rusev, uh, with the angle that what she's saying is blatantly lies, and that's kind of the reaction we went to go to it. However, the fans were booing the whole segment, not just Lana, they didn't pipe up for anything, didn't really down them for... Uh, died down for any moments, didn't turn to boos when Lana said something which was meant to get a boo. They just booed it all. Just like, what is this? Boring, turn it off, go away. Yeah, this was... Again, this is like the Ambrose thing, where Lana's delivery may... Well, Lana's delivery may was really not as good as uh, Dean Ambrose, but of course she's in front of a crowd having to betray something really weird. <laughs> but the material was... So, uh, and the crowd was so not into the storyline that it really added to it. Uh, this is really the uh, like the biggest example of the crowd was so not into this segment that it really elevated it up my list in this worst promo segment of the year. 
probably why this one's not likely to win. Because it, it really is like the whole story rather than Lana's performance itself. It still wasn't that well written a promo. <laughs> it wasn't great. But the British fans elevated it. We really we really turned up for that and just booed all of it non-stop. <laughs> so that was quite the funny watch. And finally, I had a choice. Because I had to whittle this, down, this list down to six. And there are two very recent Smackdown segments, both with Baron Corbin, that I haven't mentioned. Uh, so I felt like I had, to, I had to cut one of them. It's basically what I've decided. I didn't want two Baron Corbin segments, both to be nominated. Uh, so I've decided to go with Doggy Poop Bags. Uh, I apologise to everybody who thought that the furry Roman Reigns, the uh, guy in the dog suit pretending to be Roman Reigns, if that was your worst promo segment of the year, which I highly expect it was for quite a few people, uh, this took me ages to decide, but I've gone with Doggy Poop Bags. Again, this one that was in the UK. But the main difference being, uh, I guess, in a I guess perception of what I'd seen, how I'd seen people react, I, saw, I remember seeing way more people react positively to furby Roman Reigns than they did to Doggy Poop Bags. Doggy Poop Bags was essentially universally uh, critiqued as bad. <laughs> it was just, yeah, this isn't this isn't great. Uh, the only def- I mean, did you do see the same defenders of uh, like you're meant to not enjoy his jokes are purposefully bad, which I kind of feel that that is the case. They are purposefully bad, but there is still a line, and I felt like this crossed the line of this is purposely bad to the product is being booed, not him. There is there is a line still. And for me, this is where it crossed into worst promo segment of the year. It went from Baron Corbin telling bad jokes like he'd done with the Shorty G stuff, uh, where, where people really started to get into Baron Corbin, which shows to me that we are willing for the crappy joke stuff because he start, people really started to get behind Baron Corbin with his kind of upper mid-card run in the King of the Ring. But doggy poop bags, or oh, that was a nonsensical line that they crossed <laughs> with, like the really elaborate bad promo which has done all the rounds from uh, 2K20 this year. It's the the I'm gonna give your grandmother bed sores thing. It's <laughs> just like, what what is this? Why is it taking so long? It's telling us all to get our doggy poop bags out from under our seats. What is this? <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, it felt like the exact thing uh, Moxie was talking about on the podcast where a word will very quickly turn into a prop and this is exactly what happened. Like Roman Reigns is now su- is subjected to so many, I guess, they're not really puns, just bad jokes playing off the fact of what if he is a dog, how would I insult him then or I'm insulting him as if he's a dog. Oh, it's not great. Yeah. So... I think, personally, uh, I, I will eliminate... I've really struggled, actually. It wasn't until I was speaking this now, going through them, that I've immediately eliminated Lana in the UK. Just because it's like... It is not a good promo. It, it is worthy of being on this list. But personally, the fans elevate it rather than the segment elevating itself. I'm talking about... It's like a sarcastic elevation. <laughs> I don't mean a positive thing. Personally, I thought the worst promo of the year... Because Dean Ambrose getting injections, because all despite everything, it all fell flat. Millennial Man promo, you can use that. <laughs> you can build from it. It can lead to something else. It, it at least advanced Ronda Rousey's character, even if it was nonsense. It, if anything, it helped accelerate her heel turn as well. So it ended up working good. Dean Ambrose gets injections. That didn't add anything. 
it was so weird. If anything, it set them back, and then like the next week, they kind of started to play off it a bit. Uh, he came up with the gas masks, which were so over the top. Is it? He just. It was. He ended up just going full, I guess, lunatic side of the you people promo, and he was just cutting those every week. It's just like his his story got set up with Seth Rollins and immediately went into you people and your town smelly. So I'm getting injected. For me, that is my worst one of the year because it didn't advance anything well. Whilst all the other ones, like even doggy poop bags, even doggy poop bags, bah, <laughs> I can't really say it. Even that made you, it at least continued to paint Baron Corbin as somebody that should get beaten up. Dean Ambrose getting injections didn't really do that because it was just, again, the lunatic side of you people, which is something we've seen a million times. And this lun- and the lunatic side of it didn't really add anything. It was just weird. And that's the, for me, no, it's like, not even anger. <laughs> when it wasn't really even anger I was seeing on Twitter, for me, that means it was especially bad. <laughs> so... Dean Ambrose against injection is my personal choice there. Yeah, choose whichever one you want. Just a Brock Lesnar, Braun Strowman, Ronda Rousey, the Millennial Man. Dean Ambrose gets injections. Kayla interviews Lars Sullivan, uh, Lana in the UK, and Baron Corbin, doggy poop bags. Also, there were so many nominees that just getting it down to those. There's a lot of personal kind of which ones I def but I remember the most from the year. So. Yes, I remember the very first week of the year, and I remember that Lars Sullivan promo. <laughs> There's going to be some absolute bangers that I haven't put on this list. There were just so many, and I feel like no one can argue all six of those deserve to be nominated. <laughs> oh, it's, it was a great year for crap awards, so this, sh- this, this show's going to be fine. It's going to be fantastic. Right, anyway, because I want to keep this show kind of nice and short, so you could, in the future, when everything's come out, you can listen to part one and part two nice and easily. doesn't really... Uh, it's not too jarring, it's nice and easy to do. Uh, also, I'm not very well, so let's battle that. Next award, the heartwarming slash PR dream moment of the year. I decided to kind of put these two together. They were originally two separate lists, but then I kind of felt like, actually, two of the, a lot of them often feed into each other, and like, some are just PR dream moments, but there's a bit of heartwarming kind of moments, even if it's not like, oh, kind of feeling. It's still a good feeling from this. All positive connotations. So, uh, once again, six nominees. So, just want to make note of this. I'm emphasising here. I just did a kind of jokey negative award that had six nominees. Now I'm doing a positive, happy award where also I couldn't get it less than six nominees. So, it goes both ways. (laughs) It's not all negative of WWE this year, even though it at times may feel like it if you are struggling with the product. But... No, there was generally a lot of good this year. <laughs> I am not going to lie. <laughs> and I've re- you really realise that when you're putting these lists together, how much you enjoyed. So, the heartwarming PR dream moment of the year. Nominee number one, Montez Ford dances and plays with a baby dressed as Hulk Hogan. Oh my word. <laughs> with the, the way he's doing the hand and then the baby's looking at the hand and he's smiling. And he's having the greatest time of his life. Oh, that's such an amazing... And not forgetting, he was Mon- he was a baby just as Hulk Hogan and Montez Ford was dancing with him. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's a PR dream on top of the heartwarming moment. It's like, oh, the, the, this is the perfect kind of moment for this category. Number two, just to make it interesting on which one do you pick, Roman Reigns beats leukemia and wrestles Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania. Like, <laughs> in terms of, like, the most, I guess, the 
uh, I was going to call it heartwarming, but it's like it's bigger than that. I guess the if you if I'm whittling it down to like the best story of the year, and you don't really take into account the totally kayfabe stuff, it is like of the wrestling world. For me, this is winning that award. Uh, but this is like a really just a happy feeling award rather than uh, awarding the best of the best. That comes next week. But yeah, heartwarming PR dream moment of the year. Roman Reigns beats leukemia and wrestles Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania. As I may have just accidentally spoiled, spoiled, this might not be the first time you're hearing this award across these two weeks. So, keep up. Yes. <laughs> Next up, Kofi Kingston becomes the first African-born wrestler to win the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. That sentence speaks for itself. I don't really need any elaboration. To exemplify how massive a moment that is. Next, the women main event WrestleMania. Uh, Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair in a triple threat match. And they main event WrestleMania. Another massive moment and shift for WWE. This again speaks for itself. It does the gravity of it all. Uh, next up. CM Punk is hired by Fox to appear on WWE backstage every now and then. So the fans, we got our amazing heartwarming moment of CM Punk returning. It's like, oh, CM Punk, he's going to be on television. He's going to be talking about WWE, but he's not hired by WWE, so he can say what he wants. Oh, this is amazing. And it's a PR dream moment of the year, because WWE can hype that CM Punk has returned <laughs> to WWE programming. You can use the, specifically those words, CM Punk has returned to WWE programming. That doesn't say he's returned to WWE. It means he's on a show of theirs. <laughs> That's a very cleverly worded. But, yeah, goes both ways. That's a ma massive lisp moment then. Yeah, CM Punk. <laughs> CM Punk returns, fans happy. CM Punk returns, WWE can use this for PR. So, yeah. Lower down, but I feel like it's definitely worth mentioning. And finally, the what turned out maybe to be a curse during the summer... But Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch get engaged. Backstage they're like, what? Find a storyline for them and business endorse them. Like, now. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, a company endorsed relationship. Oh, that's not, mm, that's not going to, oh, that doesn't put any, I guess, gravity on our relationship succeeding, does it? No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Just nice and relaxed. Uh, so, yeah, fans love this. And then WWE jumps the hell on that. Again, a massive part of the year. Uh, it took up a massive portion of the summer as well, uh, even though apparently Becky Lynch wasn't super happy with it and was kind of pushing for it to get done sooner rather than later. But yes, heartwarming because the fans were like, oh, that's great. And then WWE pounced on it. <laughs> like Keith Lee and Adam Cole. So, Montez Ford dances with the baby. Roman Reigns beats leukemia and returns. Kofi Kingston, the first African-born wrestler to win the championship. The women main event WrestleMania, Singham Punk returns with Fox and Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch get engaged and then enter a main event storyline together as well as champions. So this is, for me, this easily comes down to the three WrestleMania moments. Like Montez Ford dancing with the baby was both heartwarming and a PR dream, but they're not as massive moments that will go down in history as the three WrestleMania ones. Hence, I just want to kind of elevate all three of them before I choose which one because I kind, of, I kind of just want to say that all three of them in terms of like the history and moving forward for WWE are massive but personally the I guess some of the mm, I want to go with Roman Reigns but I'm also like I also want to choose Kofi Kingston 
Oh, I can't award them both. But so yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I've just kind of given my personal preference there. I will give this to Roman Reigns, but you just heard how much I struggled to not give it to Kofi Kingston. So yeah, like if if you want to give it to one or the other, I uh, I totally understand. I am struggling to not revert right now and <laughs> give it to Kofi Kingston. But yes, Roman Reigns beats Leukemia and wrestles Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania. Uh, specifically for this award in terms of the heartwarming PR dream moment of the year. Like, Roman Reigns doing that and returning such a fashion and accomplishing that and sending his leukemia into remission. Like, that's just such an amazing story and like impossible to not get behind him. Uh, as a, If you're on WWE looking at this as PR... That is like dream babyface material. That how could you ever boo that man again? Kind of thing. It would take a lot of work for that to happen. Take a lot of work. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> he's still cheered. To be fair, he's still mostly overall cheered. I think he's in a very good place. I will, I'm interested to see if that reception would still be the case if he, for example, wins the Royal Rumble and challenges at WrestleMania. Oh, but he get personally. I'd love to see a Wyatt versus Reigns feud right now. Like the material Reigns Wyatt has got is if if he's the one penning it. I guess because with with Reigns to kind of dance around the subjects, that could be very interesting. So yeah, Roman Reigns beats Kimi and Wrestle McIntyre, heartwarming PR dream moment of the year. Right, should we roll down negative hill again? <laughs> so, uh, worst habits of 2019. Some of these will be personal. The last one, I will warn you, my uh, fifth nominee in this category, uh, is more of a room, my personal Room 101 thing. Uh, I don't know if that's an English saying, actually. Uh, room 101, where it's kind of like, if you had to nominate anything to get rid of, like, just put it, get rid of it, it's not there anymore, it doesn't exist, what would you choose? My, the last one in that is for me. <laughs> that is that for me. So I'll leave that one, I'll yeah, put it last for a reason so we can get through that, the main ones. And I understand that the last one is a personal pet peeve. <laughs> but yeah. So worst habits that I've seen really crop up in WWE in 2019. You'll see, you'll kind of spot the rhythm once I get into it. Uh, number one, making direct eye contact with the referee in order to kick out at three. <laughs> and I hate to say this. Uh, the guy who, like, even before he joined WWE, I'd call like uh, Ricochet, my boy Ricochet, as in I was a massive fan of him. Followed him by PWG, New Japan for Wrestling, Lucha Underground, and eventually NXT and WWE. Like, generally, Ricochet, I, I support the lad. But he is a top tier offender <laughs> in this category of making. He did it this week on Raw. He didn't, you don't even have to go that far back in the evidence. It's where they're lying. They've taken a massive move. It, this could be, in terms of like the flow beforehand as well, this could be, it's set up perfectly, this could be the point that ends the match. The move was big enough, the flow of it was great enough, it swung momentum in such a fashion that this really could be the end. And then Ricochet's lying on his back with eyes wide open. You can see the whites of his eyes and as he stares directly at the referee counting that three count just so he can time his kick out perfectly, so he just kicks out before three. Takes out all the suspense. <laughs> Immediately, like, well, there's no suspense now. I know you are kicking out because I can see the white of your eyes as you are looking at the referee. It's like, ah, oh, it's all about it's all about making me forget that this is not all uh, like an act or display of athleticism. <laughs> For me to get invested in what is happening, then that's a massive thing that takes me out of it. You could count that as a personal pet peeve. It takes me out of it. 
Oh, like even if I still enjoy the match, I'll remember those kick out like, like those moments that kind of like just reminded me that this is a show and not a actual <laughs> an actual fighting contest. Ah, oh. next up, Slapperdinny. <laughs> I've written it like that as well. I've written it phonetically because <laughs> I'm a prick. <laughs> but yes, uh, this is one where it's not the fact that the technique is used. It's the sheer amount of it. So it's uh, almost it's almost like every single kick, every single knee, every match there are multiple slapper de knees. It's not just for super kicks anymore as well. Uh, you see it a lot. <laughs> so personally, slapper de knee, not overall horrific, just you know, not with everything. <laughs> and I know that the, the kind of wrestling that, I, that is popular with the AW gets fan base that they are catering towards. Uh, that kind of over-the-top uh, usage of stuff is part of the rhythm. Uh, quite a lot, just to kind of elevating the pace in that. Well, I'm not explaining it very well. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's still a pet peeve, especially in WWE style, which is not that same, I guess, closer to... Closer to showman, I guess? Where it's showing off what you can do rather uh, over 100% telling the story. Like, it's a showman kind of idea like AW's very very showman but uh, the WWE style which is still showing but it's more of a soap opera I guess category of it there's or comic book rather than graphic novel yeah there's still the slapper Denis thing stands out in WWE the way they present themselves the fact that it happens so much I notice it whilst I don't care in AW I don't, it's weird it's it's how you present it and how you kind of get across your matches and in WWE it feels odd <laughs> that it's there so often yeah. That could be personal pet peeve though. I don't hate his existence like some people. I just feel like it doesn't need to be so often <laughs> that I can now, when I'm watching it, I notice them doing it. Because they do it so often. That means that you're going to... Like, the more you do it, the more likely it is they're not going to do at one as secretly. So you see it a lot. Next up, for worst habits of 2019, the number of promos with lines so generic you could have guessed them all without watching the thing. Now, prime example for me, I think last week on SmackDown, Baron Corbin cut a promo uh, on Roman Reigns, and the joke, joke like, the, the essence of what he was saying, you could have guessed what he said bef without watching it, skipped entirely, and then gone to the next thing, and it set up the match. Because it was announced what was really going to happen, I think. So it was just so weird <laughs> to see it. Not weird, It was. It, there was no point in it. Because in terms of like, it's like a filmmaking thing as well, where if you're if you're writing a scene and you're kind of choosing what to edit out, because that's a, a huge part of it all. What when you're looking at what to cut out, when you're reading through a scene, it's like, well, like right, what does this add? How does this progress the story that I'm telling over the whole film? How does this uh, move things on to the next scene? Progress everything. Baron Corbin coming out and cutting that really long promo with the awful jokes that stalled all of those things I just listed and didn't really add anything we already don't know. It didn't really re-emphasise things we already don't know or would have got from either a much shorter promo or just him being there and commentators reminding us or you've had Roman Reigns already remind us. He could have even... I can't remember he might have shown footage. I don't think he did. Because it was just after Survivor Series. Like, if you've taken into account all of those things, like, it's, this promo was unnecessary. Like if, if if this was in the script, you would have cut the all of those lines out, or at least minimized them to like one or two. <laughs> just yeah, 
not and that, you see that quite a lot, especially with the lines said are so generic, you could have guessed them all, and it's just it's really yeah, it takes me out. It's another thing that takes me out of it. Just lines that you've heard a million times, or they're just yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a WWE thing more than anything. I don't know if that's the lines that that did work back in the day, but today in 2019 they feel generic, and there are reasons for that. It's not just a that one's just not not just a personal thing. That's a more wide thing where you hear something so often it's just not new anymore. That's what a lot of the WWE written lines are. They don't really break anything, and there's no point listening to it, which is kind of defeats the point of the promo. <laughs> Next, the You People promo. Anyone who turns heel in WWE, there is that scary hanging feeling of whenever they come out next, they'll deliver the You People promo. It wasn't in 2019, but even Becky Lynch was subject to this with her initial heel turn after SummerSlam. Uh, I guess, prime example, Dean Ambrose went full You People with his promos. Oh, it's a. Uh, or Bailey did the You People. She's <laughs> like, oh. Like, to be fair, she's a better example of the You People promo, but it's still. Somebody's a big, big baby face. You turn, she, he or she turns heel. You get the you people promo, and you'll hear the line "you people." It might be at the end or lead on to the next thing. It's like, oh, <laughs> for me, for me, this has become a bad habit. In twenty eighteen, this is a bad habit now. Yeah, it was a habit, I guess, which we kind of joked about in twenty eighteen. But when you when you bring it up by joking about it, and then the next year it continues to happen without any sense of oh, we know what we're doing here. It's like, hmm. This has become a bad habit now. <laughs> so that's what that, for me, the You People promo, or just be more creative than that. It's just completely take away momentum and have to try and do something to get it back for your heel persona because it's, it's, yeah, it's in the generic column again. Finally, the one that really is my Room 101 kind of choice, chanting what? It's when the fans are doing the what? What? But not just, not the fact that they do that. Because I feel like with a, the right per heel, you're doing that too. Like Elias, doing the what to Elias, for me that works. However, chanting, for me, it's a very specific niche circumstance. Chanting what when foreign wrestlers are speaking. <laughs> for me, this is a, pers- this is a very personal nominee. Like, this one really grains me. Uh, again, mo- for me, it's most apparent because this doesn't happen on any of the other wrestling programs I watch. Like, obviously, you don't see it in New Japan, but because they've got a different, I guess, style of... Their culture is so based around honour, it'd be really weird to see it. But, yeah, you don't see it there. I've not seen it in any Mexican wrestling. I've not seen it in... I might have seen it in Mexican wrestling. I obviously don't watch it. I obviously don't watch enough to be able to judge that one. Uh, edit that out. <laughs> Best part is, I'm so knackered, I know I'm not going to edit that out. So, hey. Um... Yeah, you don't see it. I've not really seen it in Impact. I've not really seen it in AEW, especially, or like PWG. A lot of the indies I watch, of course, there's stuff like Progress, which is British, or as I just mentioned, PWG. So I don't see a lot of the, I guess, regional indies. But chanting what, when a foreign wrestler speaks, is mostly a WWE thing rather than a wrestling thing. Especially, yeah, it's like a lot of the indies of. I guess when I say be- become progressive, they have like progressed past stuff like this, because it's the type of thing where like my I guess my favorite comparison for it is um, imagine doing this outside of a wrestling arena, 
somebody speaking in foreign and you just chant what at them. Like, oh my word, that is extremely racist and xenophobic. <laughs> it is, oh my word. Just, no, <laughs> extremely offensive. How could, like, you would never do that. Yes, I know, there are chances we do at a wrestling show that you would never do. Like, just chanting, you suck at somebody in that manner. Like, yes, I know, at the basics. But for me, this is a very outdated thing and they, the reaction is something that is brought out. It is kind of catered to. You're seeing it with the Kabuki Warriors. There is a reason they're speaking in Japanese. They're not just speaking Japanese. And like, a prime example is Rio spoke Japanese at AEW. Not a single boo. Yes, I know she's a face. But when even even at WWE... I can't say it. Even in WWE, if it's a baby face speaking Japanese or, or whatever foreign language, they will be what chance. For me... It's both a fan habit and a, I guess, creative habit to bring that reaction out of them, like I was just saying with the Kabuki Warriors. For me, that is outdated. It does not fit in with, I guess, the entertainment world of 2019 uh, to do that kind of... To write purposely to bring out that kind of reaction. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For me, that's a massive personal pet peeve, and that's why I personally would choose that one. That's my like, worst habit. But... I can see that the other nominees of making direct eye contact with the referee, you see all the time, slapping the knee endlessly, the uh, number of uh, generic lined promos that don't progress anything, they're all generic, uh, the you people promos, which kind of fits in that one a little bit, but for me, chanting what when a foreign wrestler speaks needs to go. <laughs> it's just, uh, And part of that comes from the writing. Uh, I think I feel like AEW is a really good example with how they did it with Rio, where it's kind of uh, like she won her match and it was a nice feeling afterwards type of scenario. Uh, that's a very nice way to kind of condition your wrestler, your fans not to boo what, or not to, not to boo what, not to chant what when somebody's speaking a language other than English. Like NXT, it doesn't really happen either in that smaller atmosphere where they're really behind the characters and the wrestlers. You don't get the what really. But main roster crowds happens all the time, and for me that's something extremely outdated. So that can go. <laughs> but it be, be, yeah, I, I won't be surprised if people choose other things because it's all like what grains on us personally is so wildly different. Yeah, these are some of the best kind of conversations to have, like on Twitter and on social media and that. Like one of the things that annoy us the most. Like maybe I should do get a load of people on do a uh, room one hundred one kind of show just to emphasize that point of uh, the things that grain on us and irritate us from person to person they are wildly different and personally I can understand how certain things might annoy somebody even if they don't really annoy me yeah. right I got so I'm halfway through I've got three more wars to go and proof and points taking me 40 minutes <laughs> to get here so this show's going to be longer than I hoped but yeah let's continue on with it PR disaster of the year don't worry, the next two are going to be fun. Trust me. <laughs> so, uh, only four nominees this time, which I feel is a positive. So, the PR disaster of the year. I've done the positive PR. This is the flip side of that. So, the WWE's deal with Saudi Arabia. Hulk Hogan pushed for the return, and then he ultimately does return, and the massive backlash from that. Uh, the final months of Moxley, or the final months of Ambrose, slash Moxley's subsequent podcast with Jericho, where we got the famous phrase of, that's good shit. And finally, Seth Rollins' Twitter game. Mmm. <laughs> so, for me, this is a really, really easy one. The Saudi Arabia deal. Because that really does, uh, that pushes the most buttons in terms of 
my own I was going to say my own reality, morality, but that makes me sound like artsy fartsy. <laughs> but the Saudi Arabia deal for me, it makes me question the most about my fandom with WWE. And it also, wait, the fact they brought back Hulk Hogan for the Saudi Arabia thing, I'm getting, it felt like from multiple directions, I was getting my morality questioned. And I felt like even if like, people don't have a problem with it, they're still having to answer the question. And this is meant to be turn your brain off kind of entertainment that I can, invo- I can follow, I can enjoy. I don't want to be answering the questions regardless of the answer. So, yeah, the Saudi Arabia deal, like both times, this is, and I've realised now, this is the second year it's happened, where after each show, that is where I question continue watching the most. And both summers of 2018 and 19, whatever was like the next big booking thing, which kind of, I was like, uh, with, on top of the Saudi Arabia stuff that had happened before, when that happens, I've cut out. Like I've not. I've stopped watching WWE all summer, pretty much at those times, two years in a row now, and I can't ignore the influence that the Saudi Arabia shows and the time that period for WWE. I can't ignore the influence that has on those decisions that I'm making. So, for me, Saudi Arabia, because it's a massive PR disaster for WWE back home in America, especially where, like in these times their home crowds aren't great as like WWE are so connected to Saudi Arabia it's not a positive vibe whenever they go and do those deals and for me personally I've actively stopped watching the product soon after not directly because of the shows but I can't ignore like the negative effect they have meaning when something I don't like happens I'm already down and then that thing happens and then that triggers me to really question my fandom like I'm already questioning my fandom because of the Saudi Arabia deal, and then when a booking thing happens that I don't really like, like when I'm already questioning my fandom, yeah, it's no surprise to me that I have actually checked out over the summer. I did something called go outside. <laughs> I'm not sure I liked it. Oh, I'm back inside now though. Everything's fine. I'm back. <laughs> I'm back into wrestling. Oh, I tried the outside. <laughs> it wasn't for me. All right. Next up, I feel like there's not really much. I'll recap the nominees just in case you do want to pick your own. But Saudi Arabia deal. The Repush, I guess, of Hulk Hogan, uh, the impact of John Moxley leaving and the podcast of Jericho, and Seth Rollins' game on Twitter. Uh, which one was the biggest PR disaster for WWE in 2019? Right, two nominees left, and I, except I blasted through that negative one because it's chirpy time. <laughs> it's time for, uh, I guess, fun topics which my giggling will actually fit into rather than, I guess, add a sense of, oh, he's nervously giggling through it. Now, this time I'm giggling because I'm happy. So, the first nominee for... I can't believe speak anymore. First nomination for the most hilarious, nonsensical moment of the year. What is that, Imp? So that one is... This award is for that moment when you watched the show and you, you, didn't, you weren't angry at it, you weren't, like, happy with the booking or following the story. Your reaction was, wait, what? <laughs> that makes no sense. With the laughter as well. So this is for those moments that made you react like that. Like, that that makes... Wait, what? But why? <laughs> why? Uh, that's what these are for. Arguably, this was my favourite category to remember, but I've only got four nominees and two of them are from the same storyline. It's like, I think it's, this is one way I wanted to be strict with this because it really needed to bring that reaction out of me. So, this it doesn't make any sense. So, first nominee... 
Cedric Alexander unmasks as the janitor. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> if you have checked out of WWE and you haven't really followed this, this oh, this was just my favourite. I was personally in, I was in that phase of I checked out a bit and then I heard about this and I, I watched it all. <laughs> I was like, what is this? <laughs> so, it was a mystery partner situation and then... Uh, the mystery partner was picked for uh, once. I can't remember who it was. Uh, it's a complete blank on who it was. Who is in the wild card rule, so it could have been like anyone from any brand. But Cedric Alexander was picked as a mystery opponent. Then it was, it was versus Drew McIntyre and others. Uh, so then um, this random janitor from backstage is picked as the tag team partner in the main event. He goes into the main event and he. And suddenly, oh my god, the janitor can wrestle, and he's pulling off moves, and he's doing things, and then, and then he loses. He gets pinned, and he loses. It's like, oh, he showed a flash, but then, oh, he got pinned and he lost. Yeah, so the heels won, and then to close out the show, the janitor unmasked to reveal he was Cedric Alexander, and the commentators were like, oh, oh, what, a, oh, amazing, oh, he he tricked everybody, and he's putting, like, the, uh, <laughs> kind of pose. <laughs> I'm assuming you can picture what I'm talking about here, with both hands kind of out. <laughs> it's just, ah. Uh, he's doing that pose, it's like, kind of end the show, like, oh, I'm the janitor, oh, oh, it's like, oh, it's like, what an amazing trick, and <laughs> Cedric Alexander was the janitor the whole time, isn't he an amazing wrestler? And but but they did that reveal after he lost. <laughs> so how was this a good plan? How how was this a great thing? It's like oh my god, it was Cedric Alexander. Uh, no wonder the janitor was amazing and did such a strong performance. No, he lost. <laughs> what was this? <laughs> it makes no sense. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's my absolute favourite. Oh, I love it. Uh, I'm spoiling who I want to win this one. It's. It makes me laugh so much that I, I can't not pick it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Uh, next up, Roman Reigns gets attacked backstage. This one's been a nom- this one has been nominated for the amazing filming slash production that was absolutely hilarious. So again, personal kind of influence coming in. I'd have I did film production at university, so when I see stuff like this, it or oh, it triggers something. <laughs> see something shot like this, produced like this. It's like oh, it's truly great um the way i'm assuming this was storyboarded i don't know if that's if wwe go that far it, it would mess with the stories of the shows being rewritten like two hours before the show or the hour before the show or during the show it's like oh yeah there's not likely to be storyboards at hand to then hand out but this looked pre-shot it was weird with roman reigns walking down the hall caleb back says oh hey there's roman reigns and he walks down the hall already the production office is really artificial uh just the way that it's done. This does not feel like a natural occurrence. This is all staged and everyone's walking to their cues, kind of thing, like in a theatre play. So, this is what this felt like. Re- immediately you into dramatic theatre kind of territory with him walking down. Then Kayla, like, oh my god, Roman, look out! And then all the bars fall down on top of him, and then even more falls on top of him, and it's meant to be, oh no, this horrible thing is happening, and he falls down. He's trapped underneath the thing, and then he's like, oh no, is he, he must be injured after all that. It's told me that's the angle. And then he just gets up. <laughs> he's like, oh, that was, that was weird. Uh, I'm fine though. And then he, and that's how the show ends. He gets up and he leaves with medical personnel. Like, oh, I'm a bit shook up after that. And leaves. What was this? <laughs> it was so weird. It might have worked if it was shot better. 
if it was, I guess, edited or produced a bit better, but it felt like it wasn't... They said, maybe this is what happens when you don't storyboard something. It's an amazing... Like, it feels jarring where you cut from one segment of the, I guess, act to another. It doesn't flow perfectly well. That's why you storyboard it, so you know you can figure this stuff out before you're filming on location. <laughs> but nope! <laughs> so when they had the idea, they uh, figured it out, like, shot by shot, there and then. That's why you plan ahead of time. <laughs> Uh, this this absolutely stank of that. Like it was uh, for me hilarious. Hence why I did an entire show, kind of jokingly taking it seriously as it, hashtag Inspector Imp, and <laughs> just kind of treating the what I saw as legit and investigating everything I was looking at. It's like yeah, I I loved this segment again for for me it was hilarious and nonsensical. It totally worth this. But this storyline didn't only give one nominee. <laughs> And that's what we had Daniel Bryan and Eric revealing Rowan 2.0 to end SmackDown. A segment that was never mentioned again. I wonder why. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, Daniel. So they were hinting throughout the entire show that uh, Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan were, that they knew who had attacked Roman. Because they did seem somebody look like Eric Rowan in the shot. And it also showed the unplanned nature of this. Buddy Murphy wasn't meant to be in the shot, end up in the background. It's just like, yeah, this everything about it stank of they did not prepare or storyboard this or anything. They were doing shots and they weren't in control of their... It's a known thing in the, uh, I guess... We're talking about directors. The directors have full control of their set, have control of everything in shot. That clearly wasn't the case. You see it in Hollywood films, happens all the time, but like the top directors, you will not see things like this kind of slip in. You get little things, but not big. doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Dunderbine and Eric Rowan, they were teasing throughout the entire show that they knew who had attacked Roman Reigns, and then to end the show, Roman Reigns is backstage. He's in the locker room with uh, Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan, and there's somebody on a chair with a hood over their head, and he takes the hood off, and it's some bold lad with a ginger beard who I have done Rowan 2.0, or Rowan version 2, or smaller Rowan, whatever you want to call it. And that's how they ended the show. And they never mentioned it again, because it was so weird. But Imp remembers. <laughs> Imp remembers this nonsense. What was this? Uh, for me, this was the moment, like, it already had a slight hint about it, but this was the moment where it was like, ah, right, yes, you're writing this as you go along. <laughs> you might have an end point that you want to happen, where looking at this storyline, whatever it ended up at, it ended really with uh, Eric Rowan surprisingly kind of getting over the heel of the match with Roman. So whatever the planned ending was, I don't think they actually got it. Because the assumption was it was to build to Roman versus Daniel Bryan in some convoluted way. And it feels like that's not happened. That's not going to happen. It, yeah, something happened to kind of stop whatever might have been planned as the end point from happening. But when you're making it up as you go along, expect different outcomes than what you're hoping for. Because you're... Gonna th curveballs will appear. You're making it up as you go along. <laughs> so, oh, uh, this was again the perfect reaction of what? <laughs> it just ended in confusion. It was never explained. Uh, just, just magnifique. Oh, yes, this storyline was a dream <laughs> for this series. And finally, for me, the most nonsensical moment of the year was not on one episode, but it was, I guess. When you look at Monday Night Raw specifically, over a period of time, it became very apparent that everybody's a cook. <laughs> so, damn it, D'Lo. Booking it so many different storylines. Oh, you had Mike Kanellis, you had, uh, I guess, Rusev as well. Um, Drake, uh, Drake Maverick as well. 
Oh, am I forgetting somebody? Oh, I guess. I guess he had. No, Lashley doesn't. No, no, but, yeah, I was, I was thinking. Do, oh, did we have Lashley and did we have? I've forgotten his bloody name. Aiden English, but no, there were separate storylines from last year, so I can't nominate them. But yeah, I spent like it was short, such so a short period of time as well to get both Rusev and Mike Kanellis. It's like, oh, okay then. <laughs> this is, oh, is that how it works? Is that just it's like, oh, how could this attractive woman possibly be with someone like Mike Kanellis? Oh, he must be a cut. No, <laughs> that's not. That's not how I guess attraction and relationships work. <laughs> like, if you don't under, if you don't, if you personally don't find the guy attractive, how could he possibly be with a? Like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, it makes sense to you, obviously, but that's not how the world works <laughs> or people work. Uh, so for me, they became it became hilarious and nonsensical when it there were repeat offenders, there were repeat storylines where it kept happening. It wasn't just because it was a cut. Suddenly it was more people in different storylines. Like, why are you booking this? There's so many different storylines. It's so weird and strange and, like, impossible to talk about without getting demonetized on YouTube. It's just, like, all over the place. Oh, it's weird, interesting. But I feel like I had to nominate it for this category because it's a part, it's a part of the year, those storylines. They paint the picture of 2019. They're extremely relevant. But I'm assuming, as you can all tell from my reaction, I can't give this to anything other than Cedric Alexander unmasking as the janitor. It just makes me laugh every time I talk about it. <laughs> it's, I find it so funny. Because it made so little sense and I don't know I, I could see maybe what reaction they were going for but they did it in such a weird order that just destroyed it all and made no sense. <laughs> Why would he treat that as an achievement? He lost. <laughs> it didn't. It's so weird. Oh, I love it. But yeah, Roman Reigns' storyline, those first few weeks were also glorious in just n- like nonsensical moments after nonsensical moment. Uh, but Cedric Alexander unmasking as the janitor. Oh, it's just amazing. I love it. All right. And to end the show, because the first half of these awards, next week will be the more serious stuff that I guess most people care about. From oh, I love this stuff. I love this first show. <laughs> it's just the kind of funny stuff that I enjoyed. But to end on a high, uh, the best by accident slash not previously planned moment of the year. So I mean something where there was a plan and then something changed. And then suddenly, and then what happened after the thing needed to be changed, suddenly that became amazing. So the best by accident, I guess, moment of the year. First, Kofi Kingston replaces Ali in the Elimination Chamber. And what this led to, bloody hell, that was an amazing moment. One of the best WrestleMania mo- matches. I feel like ever, the test of time will show that, but I really rate it very like, really It's not just the match itself, which is amazing, but the way the story built week to week and even the way Kofi Kingston interacted with the authority week to week and the way it built, for me, it was fantastic. It, it built up that feeling of Kingston winning and fighting the odds just not just I guess as a wrestler the authority maybe didn't like 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 the societal odds against him as well which is like oh it was such an amazing storyline and it's just the fact that it was never meant to happen that he wasn't in the match and then Mustafa Ali got injured in a match against Randy Orton had to pull out and they just put in Kofi Kitson as a replacement they did the uh, gauntlet match and Kofi Kitson came off as so an amazing megastar and then he had the awesome story in the chamber match itself it's like, yeah amazing 
<laughs> which then again perfectly just built and built and led to WrestleMania, and yeah, the for me an absolutely amazing, I guess accident in a way it was wasn't planned to happen, and then a, with a kind of turn of fortune suddenly you've got one of the most, I guess historic and point of shift for WWE, for Kofi Kingston winning that championship, like you could just just look at the reactions to see what it meant, so. I got, yeah, high recommendation. I've lost my words. <laughs> high recommendation for this one. I also went to the dentist today. Uh, I'll I'll say that's the reason for my random stutters. Uh, next up, nominee number two, Dean Ambrose bids his farewell. So obviously Ambrose leaving was not a part of WWE's plans. Of uh, he let them know far enough in advance that they could make plans. But uh, I've put this in as something where. His farewell speech after Monday Night Raw, the one that did the rounds on the internet afterwards, but that and the kind of reactions of both Roman Reigns and Rollins, there was a reaction that they kind of wanted and to have a nice goodbye, but obviously this wouldn't have been in the plans. I don't know what the WrestleMania plans would have been, like especially at Royal Rumble time, you know, what was the kind of idea for Ambrose? Uh, the rumours come around that they'd already penned in Ambrose to possibly return for the 2020 Royal Rumble, but here, yeah. Ambrose bid farewell, and it's his actual bidding of farewell is such a... It kind of fits into the heartwarming moment as well. It's a kind of huge, awesome moment. So, yeah. It's an amazing, not previously kind of planned, I guess, moment in wrestling. And like the, these moments where it is just them talking to the audience, saying thank you. Like they're they're all, always awesome. Next up. John Cena returns at WrestleMania as the Doctor of Thugonomics interrupting Elias. After Plan A was Lars, Lars Sullivan, who was pulled from Raw, uh, I think it was down to mental health reasons. I can't quite remember what it was. Uh, I want to say anxiety, but I don't want to put a stamp on that because I just can't remember. But yeah, after Plan A, Cena doesn't have anything. It was, do you put him in a little match or something, which this match from Lars Sullivan might have been. Uh, now you have him do a really fun segment with Elias. It's like, yeah, that was an awesome moment. Returning as a Doctor of Thugonomics to take on the Music Man. <laughs> yeah, there's such a... I really, really enjoyed that. I thought it was uh, hilarious. <laughs> it's the whole segment is great. Like, Elias in that role, it's great. John Cena in that Thugonomics role, he's great. There's a reason he got over in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> Popped huge for it. Loved it. Uh, but we wouldn't have gotten it if Lars Sullivan hadn't gotten injured. So just a little reminder about that. Have a see it. Uh, and the final nominee, which is the final nominee for any award on this show tonight, the NXT stars fill in for the SmackDown folk after they're stranded abroad. And this led into the build for Survivor Series. But again, the, all the NXT stars had to be like flown in last minute to fill in for the SmackDown guys, and suddenly, out of nowhere, you've got a show where NXT, with an opportunity for them, they take over SmackDown. And it was a memorable episode, to say the least. It really start. It shook things up, ready for Survivor Series, and it sometimes it did die down a little bit. But by the time the Survivor Series hit, it felt like a show that was really shook up. And then NXT, they won Survivor Series as well, just to kind of add to that sentiment of uh, the massive kind of impact that they had by turning up and doing what they did on SmackDown. They caught them off guard, and they still weren't ready come uh, Survivor Series. So yes, the NXT stars filling in for SmackDown, the not planned show, which ended up being amazing. So just to rerun, the nominees for this final award, Kofi Kingston replaces Ali, Dean Ambrose not renewing his contract and then he's giving a nice farewell, uh, 
Lars Sullivan gets injured and then John Cena ends up returning as the Doctor of Thugonomics and the NXT stars fill in on SmackDown and take over the show after everyone else is stranded in KSA. For me, if you heard like how much I deliberated earlier, I've really got to give this to Kofi Kingston. For, uh, again, just the impact that it's had, uh, that, that story has had. And like We're half a year after it happened and it still feels like WWE's best told story by a, a large margin. If, I'm, of course, it's a finished story as well. I'm really digging what they're doing with Seth Rollins at the moment. Like as we speak, he's doing his like, a slow heel turn. Maybe uh, at least he, in his head, he thinks he's the good guy that everybody needs, and he's doing the right thing as a leader. But in reality, he's just like being a bit of a dick. And I like that he's not technically he's not an out and out bad guy. He's doing the you people promos. He's not done the you people promos. I genuinely love it. <laughs> but we've we've finished the Kofi Kingston story. We've seen it from start to finish, and especially that WrestleMania portion, it was told to perfection. It was like they absolutely nailed every moment of it. And with the kind of I guess cherry on top of Kingston winning, he won the championship. That's massive. Like well done, Kofi. Not well done, Kofi. I mean, uh, it's bigger than that. <laughs> I'm not the right person to express it to express it, but. It's yeah, massive moment. It's saying well done, Kofi. That that, that diminishes the massiveness of it. The the enorm, the enorm, 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 enormous I don't know. It's midnight. It's gone midnight now. <laughs> I'm losing words. Yeah, oh, but yeah, for me, by far the best not planned moment of the year was Kofi Kingston replacing Ali in the elimination chamber, and just look what happened afterwards as well. It was yeah, a massive moment in the year of 2019 that was for the McMahon Empire. And that brings us to the end of the awards. Uh, I think I'll quickly go through the six that have won. Just to remind everyone. So my worst promo segment of the year was Dean Ambrose getting injections. My greatest heartwarming slash PR dream moment of the year was Roman Reigns beating leukemia and wrestling Drew McIntyre. Well, putting leukemia into remission and beating Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania. Uh, my Worst habit of 2019 is chanting what up foreign wrestlers speaking. Uh, the PR disaster, Saudi Arabia deal. Uh, most hilarious, nonsensical moment of the year, Cedric Alexander unmasking as the janitor. Oh, you got him, Cedric. <laughs> and the best by accident slash not previously planned moment of the year goes to Kofi Kingston replacing Ali in the Elimination Chamber. Who... Uh, Ali, I think he's got his first name back. He's, I thought I heard him talking, uh, referred to him as Mustafa Ali on SmackDown. So, well done, you got your first name back. I don't know how much backstage fighting you had to do, but yeah, for me that was a that was one which the the him losing his first name it kind of meant a little bit more. I don't know. It was a bit of a, I guess, you felt like oh, he, you're not allowed to call him like you can't say his first name. That's an odd one. Like just shortening him to Ali felt a little bit off. But in fact, I think he's got it back now. So awesome. But that brings me to the end of the show. Uh, next week will be the more important awards. So maybe not that as funny one. Maybe I'll throw like in one or two, I guess, ones just to kind of keep it nice and energised and lighthearted. But yeah, you're looking at your wrestler of the year, match of the year, I guess pay-per-view of the year as well. Like your more serious, hotly debated stuff from all year round. That's going to be next week. But thank you for listening to this one. As I giggled and left my way through, there were some really strong memories I genuinely forgot about uh, Braun Strowman, Brock Lesnar from the very first week until I was just looking through stuff. And I was like, oh my God, yes. I saw an image and immediately I remembered. So, 
yeah, there's a, WrestleMania was a massive moment for for me. Looking back at the I guess year that was, Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series for me all delivered, and they all gave that a really positive feeling around the company for that period after their shows before like almost being gone by the next pay per view. Like it's incredible. I feel like TLC might be one of the first where that's not happened. Where and I'm gonna talk about after as well. Like with SummerSlam, after Hell in a Cell. It was, for me, the build went really well. Then the pay-per-view was going really well until the end. And then it was, ugh. <laughs> With, uh, I guess, got, did you get Roman Reigns Mojo? That might have been the year before. But yeah, uh, we got Lacey Evans, Baron Corbin, Seth Rollins, Becky Lynch, which was not selling well. That's where a lot of the arena trouble started to happen. Yeah, Seth Rollins being booed in the main event as Universal Champion. Uh like with uh, the Royal Rumble as well, as where questions about it becoming convoluted really started to get on a lot of fans' nerves, and there was a bit of a the really positive feeling after the Royal Rumble was definitely dying down around Fastlane. It's a bit of a shame. Uh, Elimination Chamber afterwards picked it back back up. So it's a odd one. I think I got my order right there. <laughs> where it was Fastlane first, then Elimination Chamber because it's a weird pattern. I guess Chamber to WrestleMania was like the best like con consistent kind of run for WWE where it's two in a row and nailed it but with uh, Survivor Series I, I don't like the hopes for TLC given we're one week away as I speak and there are no matches <laughs> not one which is like the I think the record where you're going into the go home show with not one match announced <laughs> that is incredible for WWE like you can guess a lot of the matches like they set up quite a few of them but not one has been announced and it's next week uh, I'll be doing Aftershock for it, because that's what I do, but <laughs> I'll be lying if I... There's nothing, I can't say I'm looking forward to it, because there's no matches on it. <laughs> I don't even know how to prove it. Uh, but anyway, before that will be the second half of this with the awards talking about next Thursday here on LOP Radio. Uh, thank you for listening to this first half. Uh, hopefully the next half is just as fun. Uh, I laugh my way through it. Time flew by for me, <laughs> even if you are uh, like, oh God, get on with it. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> Uh, but please do check out the other shows here on Laws of Pain Radio. Uh, live after AW Dynamite, we've got uh, Laws of Pain Radio's, uh, I guess, still considered a new AW post-show, uh, Dynamite After Dark with Jamman and Jeff. That should be up before I've uploaded this. Saturday's reserved for our AEW coverage. Sunday for our WWE pay-per-view coverage. Already plugged after shop for next Sunday. Uh, Monday night's is Kingdom of Honor with Jamman and his friend Jeff talking Ring of Honor. Uh, MLW, whatever other indies they're watching. Uh, they they call it the ADD show because they're all over the place. <laughs> uh, Tuesdays is Global Revolution, the wider wrestling world. Wednesdays is Plans Sports Entertainment is Dead. Uh, this week is Miss Fan on again guesting to talk about one of the matches from 2004, like Ring of Honor. Like, they're all over the place. It's a uh, very. I, I love the series so far. So hopefully that's uh, I'm getting that up on uh, YouTube as well. I'm the guy who runs YouTube. It's also Christmas time, and I'm getting behind. I'm doing my best. But yes, next Thursday it's me, and of course you've got Dynamite to Dark as well. Again, thank you for listening to this first half of, of the awards. Part two will be next week. Uh, please do comment, send me your kind of choices for each category or whichever categories kind of stood out for you. Uh, what have I forgotten as well? Because I, I will 100% have forgotten the stuff that I missed off these lists that you were like, how could you possibly miss that off, imp, you idiot? You suck. <laughs> like, like that. Like, what stuff did I miss that you like, really remember from this year? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the damn Implicat. Thank you. And with that, I bid you adieu. Adios.
10.